All right, we're going. Get serious. Snap into action. I'm looking at you, Coach. Look alive, Sergeant. Coach Mandy Banks. Oh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? We've been waiting so long. And now the world knows. Nope. Now all 12 people know. Nope. Not allowed. Ever. Anyway, welcome back. <laughs> it was raining outside. It was like a monsoon out there. But now it's fine. Now everything's fine. And speaking of everything going to be fine, we're talking about injuries today. And what in the world happens when you hurt yourself lifting weights? You quit. Pretty much. Just go home. You're done. It's over. You're out. End of You're episode. Out. Try again we'll next time. That's it. All right. Have a great day. We'll find somebody else. Sounds good. No, 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 no. No. We're just going to, we're going to talk about what happens if and when you get injured. And so what I'd like to do is lead this one off by asking the two of you a question. And it's maybe the most fundamental uh, and more, a little more, maybe a little more theoretical as well is are injuries ultimately inevitable? Yes. For the most part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why do you both feel that way? We'll start with you, Amanda. Uh, oh, there's a lot of factors I think that come into play there. Um, it can be, you don't know how to move correctly. And then that can lead to an injury. And when, when we say injury, we don't need like mean severe, like you've broken a bone or you've torn a tendon and you're like out, out. Like this is really achy and this like bothers you when you're doing a certain movement pattern or uh, whatever the case may be, injuries of all sorts. Um, so that could be from volume, right? So you've increased your volume in your training. Um, adding weight can lead to something being pulled out of position. So where you're in a, a precarious position that then bothers your hip or your knee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of factors that lead into it. Your training age, I, the list goes on. Yeah. And I think stuff can happen outside of the gym. Like you can just trip and fall, you can wreck your bike and then you, have a banged up knee. You right. don't really plan for that. So I think that's part of the reason it's inevitable. You can be a perfect mover, but you can't control if you trip while you're walking home, something happens. Think anything. I mean, though at some point something's going to happen. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen within the gym. In a lot of circumstances, it it's not. It is you've increased your volume within the gym and then you go home and you go to pick something up off the floor and you throw your back out or, you know, pull something out of the cupboard and your shoulder. Like it's just every, all of the factors that we've talked about over several podcasts that lead to that. I think it's something that's addressed uh, specifically in active life. And I know to us in another level in OPEX, uh, is that line and in that line of what you're doing and it builds and builds and builds. And if you're never recovering, then you, uh, go above that line and that's when something can happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's an interesting question of whether you can ultimately avoid those things. And I think it's, the way I look at it is it's just sort of part and parcel of playing the game a little bit. We're obviously the expectation isn't that you're going to be injured. 
um, certainly not a severe injury. And obviously our, a big part of our role as coaches is to ensure and build safe habits to avoid injury. But a lot of times, like you said, and you just had a client with this, where people get injured outside of the realm of exercise, like it doesn't have anything to do with what they're doing with us or in the gym, and they end up just hurting themselves, unfortunately, or tweaking something. I think what we see a lot are tweaks. Uh, what we tend not to see very often are actually real, acute, serious injuries. Those are actually very, very rare, but you get people tweaking themselves a lot. Um, so yeah, and a lot of times what you see is that's the result of, in many cases, and I think we've all, you know, ourselves seen this is like poor lifestyle habits leading up to that. Like you're underslept and you're underhydrated or you're in a hurry because you didn't budget enough time uh, to exercise. And so you rush through your warm up and then you tweak yourself, you get yourself um, and then and then you need to make some adjustments. So <clears throat> if we sort of accept that injuries or tweaks um, or, or things like that are ultimately maybe inevitable when we're playing the game of sort of life fitness. Um, I think next we can look at is that there's a realistically a spectrum of injury severity. And I think we all have some examples that we've dealt with individually ourselves in, in how you work around, or in some cases you can't work around certain things. So Amanda, why don't we start with you? Obviously you've been working with uh, an injury over the past really kind of couple months. So why don't you tell everybody what that is and then what you can't do and what you've done instead? Because I think the big thing is like, we're not just gonna just shut it down and quit and shrug your shoulders and like start watching Netflix. Like that's not the option we're gonna give people for the most part. Um, so what what course have you taken? Yeah, so for me, I my injury did occur within the gym. Uh, I broke a bone with in my wrist. <clears throat> and essentially was just not allowed to move my wrist completely immobile uh, for 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and so that meant I couldn't do any kind of pulling or pressing. I couldn't have a barbell on my back. Um, <clears throat> and so my transition went to uh, what we refer to as a globo gym or a conventional gym uh, to where I was able to use machines and still able to do all of the things that I enjoy doing um, in our gym, but just there in a sort of modified way through the use of machines. So still being able to curl or still being able to squat in some capacity um, through the assistance of machines. So give us a little clarification. So you heard it at the gym, but it wasn't actually uh, like doing exercise. So two things, two points of clarification. So talk about that. Yeah. So just people understand that like things can happen that aren't related to lifting weights. We don't cause like sort of unnecessary fear and apprehension, but also give us an example of a modification. So let's talk about like say back squats versus the Smith machine. Tell us, talk us through that or, or leg press or however, whatever you want to talk about. Sure. Uh, so I was with another person cleaning a barbell to put it into the rack at the gym. Um, and I had not made it into the J cup that holds the barbell in the rig. Uh, and the other person pushed the bar to the back of the J cup. And when it did, it rolled out of my one hand and landed into my other, uh, in between my thumb and pointer finger. Uh, so just kind of a freak accident. Wasn't anything 
crazy, was not moving in a certain way and, you know, broke it. Um, but just trying to set myself up so that I could ironically back squat. <laughs> um, and so because I enjoy back squatting, because at the moment I was in a powerlifting strength cycle, that was a predominant uh, movement for me, uh, making the transition to a conventional gym. I had the opportunity then to use a Smith machine, right? So the barbell is attached to a rig and it moves up and down, uh, but has the ability to lock that barbell in place. So I don't have to find a way to support it if I can't get out of the bottom or if I'm stuck within the movement, the machine itself will take the barbell from, from me. Um, and then obviously, yes, leg press is an option seated, uh, or hack squat, which was, that is a fun new adventure. Uh, this is something you had never done before. No. So these things, if we look at the glass half full. So Smith machine was glass half full, right? Because you don't need to be able to hang onto the bar really. Yeah. With back squat, you need to have your hands on the bar. Couldn't close your hand. It was in an, an air cast. Like that's not realistic. Smith machine allows you to keep squatting. Uh, but also this afforded you the opportunity to try things that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise done, particularly leg press and hack squat. So things that provide the exact same stimulus or extremely similar stimulus, but that you just maybe wouldn't have done because you're, you've had years and years of squatting and you like squatting with a barbell and you just would have maybe in all likelihood kept doing that. Right. Cool. All right. And your wrist is almost fixed. Almost. We're almost back. Almost there. We're almost back Hopefully, in action. Hopefully, Friday. Fingers crossed. So I would put that around, like, you can't use your wrist. You couldn't move it. It was immobilized. Like, obviously, significant pain supporting things. You can't, but you're still exercising. You, And we would call that, like, finding a way around it. Right. You, you don't quit and just say, well, I'm going to take two months off and whatever. Right. Um, you're, you're just going to figure it out. Uh, so Rye, same kind of deal. Uh, you yourself or people you've worked with, uh, injuries that maybe you could or couldn't work around, and then what you did when that happened? Uh, yeah, so personally, I don't think there's there aren't any really huge glaring examples. Um, I broke my leg at one point, but that was kind of pre-strength pre, uh, training days, so that didn't really – obviously, I kind of just stopped this physical activity there. So that wasn't, that doesn't necessarily count in this conversation. Um, but another one that comes to mind is I, there were a couple of, a couple of times where I kind of tweaked my lat or like kind of upper back. Um, and it was just one of those things where there wasn't necessarily something that caused it. Um, like each time that I could kind of pick out, it kind of just happened. And that was something that I had to work around because it showed like how much you use your lats and things you don't even think about. Um, so whether that be like front squatting or back squatting, really, any sort of pulling, any sort of front rack, anything like that. Um, so that was a kind of an opportunity to work around things. Um, and for me, that kind of just took place as like finding options that um, we don't really think about as much that still kind of get the same thing. So um, Maybe instead of something front rack, it could be something on the back where it's not as intensive on your lats or um, really just changing what I was doing towards more lower body focused stuff and kind of giving that uh, kind of like movement plane a rest 
which I think kind of goes with everything that we're saying is this can be also a great opportunity to kind of let some things rest and try other things that you wouldn't normally do. And that can kind of be, that can be good for the rest of your body or rest of your muscle groups. That's, um, that you've been working pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, I have a little bit of both. Uh, so in the more kind of severe acute injury about seven years ago, I tore my left bicep, uh, exercising. So when that happens and you get it fixed, it's a long recovery time. Um, and it's extremely sensible to get it fixed because you can't, you know, you lose 60% of your strength on that arm immediately. Um, and it's fixable, but they have to do it quickly. And so, but it's like a six month recovery time, starting with your arm being basically completely immobilized. So that was the situation when I did that. Uh, I continued to exercise, but all I could do, and it actually happened in the summer. So I remember running and it was like, even before it was in a, like a sling, it was like wrapped in like ACE bandage stuff. I remember running like that and like just sweating my mind out into the ACE bandage, but you're just trying to do what you can. Like you're just, your arms at a 90 degree angle, basically pinned to your body, but you're, you're still trying to get something going. Um, and then just gradually gain range of motion and gain the ability to use it and all that kind of stuff. But that was a long, long, slow recovery. Those are those are really tough ones. Uh, but again, I just tried to leg press and hack squat and things that I could do with my legs um, or that I could do unilaterally with my upper body. Uh, more recently, and this happens to me, you know, maybe once a year or so, I tweaked my back. Um, and so that it goes into the same thing as initially you're, you're shut down almost completely for a few days, but as I was able to gain, uh, you know, be less uncomfortable and, and be able to, you know, move around a little bit, I was able to get back into the gym and start with doing things that, and you can feel it out, like just don't tax my back. Like just don't make it intensely uncomfortable. And it's not like a physics equation. Like you just if it doesn't hurt, you're in a good spot. If it does hurt, that's not something you should do. Um, and then gradually add things and, and do, you know, still do things like squat that can put some pressure on your low back. Um, but in ways like say with the Smith machine or the hack squat that are a little, or leg press that are a little bit easier on, on that area or that completely take pressure off of that area. So, I think the big thing, and, and this we do this all the time as coaches, and this is is sort of the next maybe piece of this conversation is finding workarounds and substitutions. So right now, I have clients who have angry hips, two who have an have angry knees, one that has an angry shoulder, and the goal from a programming perspective is to allow those joints to recover and allow them to feel better, but also to start to explore why that's happening. So is there a movement error that someone is, you know, unknowingly committing um, that we can fix and that will alleviate that? Because the goal isn't to just like, well, let's wrap it in an ACE bandage and, you know, see what happens. The goal is to fix the underlying problem so they don't have pain anymore or make that worse. So Amanda, you have a pretty significant background with stuff like this. So why don't you tell me, tell us a little bit about if somebody has an issue, how you kind of approach that and you can pick whatever extremity you want. 
Sure. So I, over the years, have had several like nagging injuries uh, that have happened to pretty much every part of my body, from my neck to my toes. Um, and so with the help of practitioners, chiropractors, physical therapists, um, and then extending my education into active life, have gotten a pretty broad knowledge base of things that we can do to try and test uh, and see where the pain is coming from. Like most people are like, eh, I kind of feel it in my back. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like where in your back, where are you actually feeling it? Is it more of um, an issue of uh, like a tendon or a muscle or is it something skeletal? And so there are different things that we can do to kind of test those uh, without putting any sort of weight or uh exterior object to the person to try and figure that out. Um, and then if we can, then again, just kind of avoid or alter the movement pattern in which they're using that. Uh, so for a lot of people uh, with hip flexors, tight hip flexors, or get going into their psoas, like constantly squatting or hinging and putting a lot of tension on those muscles, um, or tendons can cause a lot of problems. So working in the alternative to try and open them up um, is a way that we can try and help to alleviate the pain um, while at the same time resting those movement patterns. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's an element of it. A lot of times our role as coaches is observational. And so you're, you notice basically that someone has a movement pattern, pattern error and that's ultimately what's causing their problem. So a classic example is if somebody has what we would call a valgus knee fault when they're squatting, when they ascend from the bottom of the squat, their knees cave in. Uh, and when that happens, that puts a lot of pressure on the tendons of your knee uh, and eventually can cause some discomfort and some inflammation. And, and obviously if it gets really bad, can, you know, maybe some injury. Uh, so it's correcting that. And so you can do that with cues, like I want you to drive your knees out, or you can do it with things like bands, things that provide some resistance or some stimulus for the, the client to resist against. And it's a very similar, uh, simple example, but it's something we see a lot. Um, you know, same thing if somebody's experiencing low back pain, you notice they're rounding their back a little bit when they are doing hinging movements and or when they're squatting and or when they're doing just general other stuff, we can start to work on, again, some external cueing and, and, and helping them to get into a better position or changing the movement they do. So a classic example of this would be, there are a lot of people who we come into contact with who can't get into a good neutral spinal position when they're conventionally deadlifting. So our options are either we switch them to sumo and a lot of times that allows them to get into a better position or frog stance deadlift, or we elevate the bar. So you put the bar on blocks or on, on, plates and they don't have to hinge as far that allows them to be in a better position, which, you know, helps to prevent injury. Um, and, and we can sort of regressively work on getting them more and more range of motion as time goes on with less of an elevation. I, I think the big thing, you know, that we know, um, and that we try to be very cognizant of is that we're not physical therapists. So our job, like we're not doctors, um, at a certain point, this becomes beyond our scope. 
And so if we notice that that's the case, then then we tend to refer people out to people, you know, whose whose background is in rehabilitating injuries, because um, obviously there's a point for us where it's inappropriate for us to to recommend things because it's just not not what we do. So tell me a little bit about, you know, for you guys, from your experience, the idea of patience when you get injured. We're going to start again with Amanda because she has just been going through this for the last couple of months. So tell me a little bit about that is balancing your goals and pushing yourself with being patient and allowing something to heal properly. I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people, especially if you're excited about what you're doing. And I think that's something that we've addressed before. Like we all enjoy what we are doing. And so then it really does suck when you're like, yep, I cannot do this anymore. Or I have to take the time away and rest in order to be able to come back and do it better. Um, And so just realizing that sometimes that may be like, a true step away and not being able to be in the gym, but doesn't mean that you can't be physically active. Uh, So allowing your body the time to rest um, and then talking to a coach or talking to a professional and saying, Hey, like, you know that I can't do this. What can I do instead? I don't want to get off track from my goals. This is very important to me to stay active. uh, And how can I continue to do that? And that's what we are here for. And in conversations that we have with our clients all the time, it's like, okay, so, you know, your hips bothering you or your knees bothering you. Can you do this? Can you do that? And if so, fine, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep you moving forward. Not going to take a step back. Um, while you're you're currently injured or you know not feeling the greatest from this particular movement pattern yeah so Brian, i have a question or something for you to comment on and you were just talking about this before we started the podcast is the idea of what we would effectively say is like not instantly overreaching people so another way as coaches that we can help with this obviously is is yes with with changing your your programming prescriptions but it's also how we guide you through your progression. So talk a little bit about how you kind of help people on the front end, not fall into overuse injury issues. Yeah. So if you think of it as if you're going to get stronger or bigger, faster, whatever you're trying to achieve, you have to, it has to get progressively harder as you go. So there has to be a point where you start, if you, if you're starting full throttle, then you can only go harder. But if you're already going hard, like as hard as you can, then you can't, it's not possible to go harder without injuring yourself or not completing all of what you're supposed to do or something like that. So you have to start smaller and then progressively build from there. So in the case of someone who hasn't been training for recently, or they haven't trained ever or something like that, they we're going to start them very, very slowly because they we don't want to put them in a spot where they can't recover before their next session or they can't, um, they're so floored from their training in the gym that it affects other aspects of their life or their lifestyle. Um, so, or that creates injury. So kind of starting small and building a good foundation and then progressively building from there is kind of goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about. And you 
there isn't there's like no real argument about it you kind of you have to um kind of work your way into it like you don't start a car and go straight into sixth gear and just for you progressively build up from there yeah that's a good analogy i think that's you know there's and we'll get into this in a, in a future episode when we talk about progression because it's such an important part of programming regardless of the goal but if we think about where we see people get injured a lot of times it is honestly not it's coming from a good place because people come in and they have a high level of motivation and they have a very clear set of goals and they're very interested in achieving those goals and we're very interested in helping them uh, but honestly sometimes if the programming isn't appropriate and if and if we don't or if a coach obviously because i think we do a good job of it but if a coach doesn't do a good job of throttling people back they will inevitably run into overuse injuries especially if they are at an you know they're not 17 years old and they can just come in and blast things you know, if somebody comes in who's 40 who hasn't exercised in a legitimate way in 20 years and they're significantly overweight or they've just had a period of inactivity to take them and drop them into a situation where they go zero to 60 is not good for them. It does. And, and honestly, it doesn't make any sense. Like I think the analogy, and again, I'm going to mention this in a later episode is the idea of like, why are you climbing up to the top of the apple tree to pick the apples when there's a bunch of really nice ones on the ground? Like you don't actually have to do that to get optimal results. And actually you would get better results if you just pick the ones up off the ground, put them in your basket, got in your car and left. So, so I think that, that ties back into our conversation about rest days and our conversation mm -hmm. about like actually taking deload weeks and why those things are so important is because if we're constantly adding volume and adding weight and progressing and progressing and progressing, like eventually if our body doesn't have the time to recover or we're not taking the time to recover and again that means all of the external things right like so life stressors sleep nutrition um then then it's going to happen we're gonna have those kind of nagging pains in our knee or in our back or in our shoulder whatever the case may be because we're just not allowing our bodies the time that it needs to be like okay i'm ready for this next session yeah. And I think also, you know, to piggyback on that, because I think it's an excellent point. This is again, you know, and this is the purpose of the podcast ultimately is to help people with understand the process of training a little bit better. These are conversations you should feel comfortable having with a coach. And, you know, obviously we're coaches and we have a way that we think is optimal for helping people progress through their training and toward their goals, but it's not the only way. So whether you participate in group class, whether you do individual design, whether you're, you know, at a conventional gym, just rocking your own thing, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. There should be somebody that you can reach out to and be like, Hey, like, what do you think when I do X, Y happens, my shoulder gets mad at me or, you know, like the weight I can use in bench press has been declining steadily for the last three weeks. I don't really understand why. And, and whoever you're reaching out to should be able to help you work through that and help you find a solution. That's what coaches do. And that's what our clients pay us for. Uh, so, you know, regardless of how you do that, uh, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out to somebody who you trust if, if this kind of stuff, if and when this happens. All right, final thoughts. We have about two minutes left 
each have a minute. Ready, set, go, rye. Um, I think, I mean, mine's, as usual, pretty straightforward. I think you just have to kind of listen to how you're feeling and um, just kind of accept that there could be a little bit of a silver lining and you can kind of come out on the other side maybe a little better. Um, like when I broke my leg, I was kind of a fat, fat kid, slow soccer player before, <laughs> and then I came out on the other side and uh, no one can run faster than me now or squat more. So. You, ba- you, basically, <laughs> you basically became a mechanical animal. Yeah, exactly. So if you get lucky, that could be um, what happens to you, or you could just find some new movements that maybe you like, um, and then you can just add those to your repertoire. I like that you said no one can run faster or squat more. I feel like that might not be entirely accurate. Well, no one at this will go at this table or uh, that we typically hang on around. There you go. Small pool, but (laughs) winner nonetheless. All right. Uh, So I think it's just, again, it's important for you to think about why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and then if you, if you don't know, if you can't answer that question, then talk to people around you, talk to your coach, reach out. Um, and as hard as it is not to be defeated when you have an injury is, is realizing that it is temporary, much like everything else, that the goal is going to still be the same, right? You still want to run faster. You still want to squat more, whatever the case may be. And our goal is to help you still achieve that. So there's always another way to get there. Yep. There's always the third way. It's never black and white. It's never cut and dry like can or can't. There's always a different alternative. You just have to be open to it. And with that, we're going to go take a walk, get some coffee and enjoy the day. I hope you guys are enjoying the day. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.